So years ago when I was a young man, I was attending church and I was told that there were 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And most months have 31 days. And so you read a chapter of Proverbs a day and it's like a vitamin for your soul. Some months, of course, only have 30 days, and so on one of those days, then you'd have to double up. And, you know, I, I listened to that, and I said to myself, that sounds pretty good and relatively easy. So I, I said, I'll try it. And I read things like you find here on the first page of the green sheet, Proverbs 13, 15 says, Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Or I read something like Proverbs 21, 18. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. How is that helpful? How is that wisdom? Uh, honestly, you read that and it's actually hard to care. I did learn one thing, though. I, I learned to hate February. <laughs> See, I was told to read the book of Proverbs, but I wasn't equipped to read it properly. And so when I read this type of a passage, I, I couldn't understand the wisdom of God. And so instead of drawing me in, I felt kind of alienated from it. So what I hope to do this morning is to give you an introduction to the book of Proverbs so that you will be better equipped to read it and grow in wisdom. So I'm going to be doing two things this morning. I'm going to be giving you some background information to the book, and then I'm also going to be covering the prologue, verses 1 through 7, and try to give us a framework for what the book is about so that it's helpful to us and we can, in fact, love God's word. So one of the pieces of the background information to the book is that its setting is the king's court. It was actually used to educate the children of the nobles or the nobility class. So it was used to equip them with the right values and the right mind to lead God's people wisely. To lead God's people in the way God wanted them to be led. So, uh, scattered throughout the book, there's verses that show up about the king, the kingdom, and the king's court, and how to behave in his presence. If you look in the next group of verses, it says in Proverbs 14, 28, In a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without people, a prince is ruined. Or the next one, a wise king winnows the wicked and drives the wheel over them. And so I've listed four. I'm only going to read those two. But randomly throughout the book, you'll just come across a verse that talks about being in, in the king and understanding the king and how to behave. And in the first century, that made perfect sense. They were children of the nobility. They were going to be in the king's presence. And as they grew up, it's possible they were even going to be in the king's court. And when you're in the presence of the king, you better know how to behave. 
and you better understand what the king's job is. We have an example of this in scripture given to us. And so you'll remember that uh, Babylon came down and conquered Judah, the southern kingdom, and took him into captivity. And Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And uh, they took people from Judah into Babylon. And when you read Daniel chapter 1, we read this is what Nebuchadnezzar said. So if you look in the next grouping, it says this. Then the king, that's Nebuchadnezzar, commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel. Now notice, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, understanding learning, and watch this, and competent to stand in the king's palace and then to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So when they were taken out of Judah and brought to, brought to uh, uh, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar said, I want the children of the nobles, those who have been educated, those who have been trained to be in the king's presence. I want them pulled out of that group and trained to understand our culture and our society. Specifically, I want the people who went through the book of Proverbs and were trained. And we read the book of Daniel and four of all those people stood out among the rest, right? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And you might ask yourself, why did they stand out? Chances are they listened when they sat in the class. And they were brought into King Nebuchadnezzar's court and ultimately given responsibility. They knew how to behave and think and lead. That's how the book was used. A second piece of background information that we need to understand when we read the book is that sometimes when we read through the book of Proverbs, we come across verses that seem like women are second-class citizens. You just read and you hit a verse that just kind of sounds like these I've listed here. Proverbs 21.9 says, It's better to live in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Or you read the next one. It's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. And you read that and you go, man, the Bible is just sexist. That's not the case. The, the book is a book written from a father to a son. They didn't have women in the king's court in that day. They didn't educate their women to grow up to be leaders. They educated their men, their boys to grow up to be leaders. And so this is a book written from the perspective of a father to a son. If, if it were a book written from the perspective of a mother to a daughter, giving her relationship advice, we would read exactly the same thing, but from the other gender's perspective. 
Better to never get married than to live with a violent and mean man. Better to be single and live out in, in the forest somewhere than to marry a man who, who wants you to love him as much as he loves himself. And we would not read that as, as sexist. We would say, that's good relationship advice. You don't want to marry the wrong kind of person, whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter. And we would approve, actually, handing down wise relationship advice to our daughters. We want our daughters to choose the right kind of a man so that they can have a happy marriage and a happy family. That's just wisdom. It's true also that it's just wisdom when you talk to a, a boy about the type of woman he's going to marry. It's just, it's not sexism, it's perspective. And when you read Proverbs, you have to remember it's from the perspective of a man to his son, training the young men to think correctly as men. So we kind of read it and go, ooh, that's harsh. Well, no, not when you think of it that way. All right. Uh, third background piece, and then we're going to get into Proverbs chapter 1. We tend to read the Proverbs as independent sayings. They might be wise sayings, but they're just independent, random thoughts put together in this in these couplets, right? And so we just read one of the verses, and then we read the next verse, and we don't necessarily see any relationship between them. We're just reading one thought, then another thought, then another thought, and it's kind of random. That is the wrong way to read the book of Proverbs. In fact, it's written poetically. And just like the poems that we read, many of them will have stanzas. The, the thoughts will be written in groupings. And you have to read the grouping to understand the impact. Right? So I've kind of given us an example. If you look on the bottom of the second page there, it says Proverbs 14, 8 to 15. Now I want you to notice I've highlighted my points. Look in verse 1 and the bold passage. It says, The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way. And then the contrast is, but the folly of fools is deceiving. But now if you look in the very last verse, the last line says, the prudent gives thought to his steps. Now that's exactly the same thing. So verse 8 starts by saying, the prudent gives thought to his ways. He discerns his ways. He doesn't act on impulses. He doesn't just look at the bright lights flashing in neon and go, I'm going that way. The prudent stops and thinks about it. And then at the end of that stanza, he comes back with the same idea, saying, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. And immediately we know this is a stanza, and everything in the middle is talking about 
carefully deciding on your decisions and which way you're going to direct your life. Now, in the middle of that, in the italicized verse, you'll see that I've italicized the verse, and this is a familiar proverb to us. We've heard this quoted. There's a way that seems right to a man, but, the, but its end is the way of death. We've heard that one a lot, but it's a verse taken out of a context. And the point isn't to say, hey, if you just make your own decisions, you're going to end up being in trouble. The point is to say, you know, wise people make wise decisions. They give thought to their way. And when you don't give thought to your way, it, you end up in trouble. You end up in death. That's the wrong way of life. And so this stanza is not just a series of independent, random thoughts stuck together, but it's actually talking about giving thought to the direction you give to your life. And everything in the middle is all pointing towards that. So when you read the Proverbs, don't just read them as independent thoughts. Look for the clues. Look for the connections. They're there. We just don't know how to find them because we're not reading with that understanding. But when you read with that understanding, you'll see a lot of paragraphs that are bookend, bookended with the same thought, front, first, and the end, and you go, okay, that's a section. Now, how do these verses relate to that idea? And the book opens up, and it becomes very much alive with the wisdom of God. So I would encourage you to think that way. Okay. Now, with that background, we get to turn our attention to Proverbs chapter 1. What did Solomon and the other sages intend with the book? What were they trying to accomplish? What were they... What was their hope when they wrote these wise sayings? What did they intend to happen in the audience? Well, it tells us in verses 1 and 2. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. That verse right there tells us why the book was written. To know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. That's why it was written. The question is, what does it mean? Well, the first phrase, to know wisdom and instruction, is actually talking about skillful living. It's talking about skillful craftsmanship, actually. So, one could be a skilled plumber. One could be a skilled architect. One could be a skilled teacher. One could be skilled in whatever field you happen to be in. That's this phrase. Wisdom isn't just for scholars. It isn't just for the people in grad school somewhere. Wisdom is for us common folk. Doing our jobs, but doing them well. That's what wisdom is for. And it's talking about 
taking wisdom with you as you work your workaday world. So we have an example of this. If you look over to the next verse that I have quoted there, or, or copied there, it's Exodus 31, 1-5. It says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Buri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. That is what the first phrase of Proverbs 1-2 is talking about. To know wisdom and instruction. And God raised up this guy, uh, Bezalel, and he raised him up with this wisdom so that he could actually do the work and lead the work on the tabernacle of God. And so he showed up with all of these skills. He was wise and instructed in craftsmanship. So if you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, I don't need wisdom, I'm a bus driver. I don't need wisdom, I'm a construction guy. God would say, no, 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 that's not right. Because you want to do your job right. You want to do it well. And you're not working alone. So you need the wisdom of relationships. All that stuff factors into that first phrase. The second phrase is talking about your mind. So the one is the practical side of life. This is now the mental side of life. To understand words of insight. It's talking about mental sharpness. It's talking about uh, mental keenness. The ability to think right. You want to know why? Because thinking right leads to the ability to make right decisions. And right decisions have a destination to them. They, they lead somewhere. When you make this decision today, it ends up down the road in a spot different from if you made a different decision. And we want our young people to be able to make the right decisions because those decisions lead somewhere. We want them to be trained with the idea that says, I have to discern my ways. Because there's a way that just seems right to a man and a knee-jerk kind of a reaction. But its end is death. So I have to learn how to think so I can make right decisions because those decisions take me someplace. Proverbs were written so that we have the mental sharpness to make decisions to get us to the place God wants us to get to in life. So that we have things like good relationships. So that we have things like uh, a caring community 
in which to live. So that we have things like a righteous society. And when we depart from that way of thinking, things start to crumble in all of our lives. And we end up broken. And God doesn't want us broken. So he's given us the Proverbs so that we can be skilled people, both in what we do with our hands and how we think in our mind. See, the reason for that is because God has actually designed an order to life. When he created life, when he created the world, and he put humans on the world in society with one another, he, he designed this thing we call the cosmic order. There's a right way to live, and there's a wrong way to live. And we're all familiar with that. We've all made right decisions that turned out good, and we've made bad decisions, and we went, ooh, that was horrible. That hurt, actually. And God, in his is designed has made a right way and a wrong way. In his design, he's made the right decisions of life that take us to the right place that God wants us to be at. And if we don't actually listen to God's wisdom, we become fools, and we end up in the bad places of life. There's almost no way, if, if I can't say it more strongly than that, there's no way we can get out of that, that choice. It's God's way or a fallen way. You know what the Proverbs were written for? make a skill so that we make the right decisions to go God's way. Now here's the thing. Absolutely none of us, absolutely none of us have that wisdom in us. It's not inherent in any of us. None of us were born and your parents or your neighbors or your relatives looked at you and said, there's a wise one. It wasn't there. It always has to be learned. It has to come from outside of us. It has to come from God, in fact. It has to be taught to us. It has to be brought to us. It has to be given to us, because none of us have it inside ourselves. Look, look at verse 3. Notice how verse 3 is written from the perspective of a student. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, equity, and justice. So verse 3 is now telling us that when we show up in life, we have to show up as students. It's written so that we would come to this book, or and even all 66 books of the Bible, and say to ourselves, I want this information. I'm coming to learn. I need the insight of God. I need the wisdom of God because I'm not self-sufficient. I don't, I don't show up 
able to govern my own life well. I need to hear from God so that I do it right. And it's written from the perspective of the student so that we would have instruction that looks like, that's characterized with righteousness, justice, and equity. Watch the shift when we get to verse 4. Notice now the perspective change. It's to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So imagine yourselves as children of the nobility, sitting in class, being trained in the Proverbs and in the wisdom of God. And I'm up here teaching you how to do that, and you knowing full well that there's going to come a day when you're going to be in my position, or you're going to be the mayor of one of the cities of Israel, or you're going to be in a position of authority. But that day is not yet because you're still young and you're in class. To give prudence to the simple. The simple were the youth. Knowledge and discretion to the young. This is the perspective of a teacher who has gone through youth, who's put some years behind him so that he's learned what's best in life. So that he's learned if you make this decision, it goes there. If you make that decision, it goes there. And you want to make the right decision. There's an age factor here. There's three groups of people in the book of Proverbs. There's the wise person. The wise person is the one who has said, I am going to live my life according to God's cosmic order. It's his design. I will follow. The fool is set in his ways, but only in the opposite direction. The fool has said, I don't care what God says. I see clearly. There is a way that seems right to a man, and I know that way. And he's set in that way of life. But when you're young, you're still moldable. When you're young, you're still shapeable. You don't know those things. But we have adults. We have people with age and experience teaching us. We have people who've gone through life a little bit with the ability to say, this is how life is going to be. It's from the perspective of the teacher who has learned wisdom and lived wisely and is able to teach the young people so that they know the way they should take. So if you're thinking about this correctly, God has given us a task. I'm talking to those of you who are older. As parents, what's your job? As grandparents, What's your job? According to Proverbs, it's passing along the wisdom you've learned in life so that your children and grandchildren can make right decisions, 
to get to where God wants them to be and not have messed up lives. That's the job before us. It's the justification, honestly, for Sunday school. Why do we send the kids out with Kobe every week? It's the justification for uh, vacation Bible school. Why do we do that? Have you ever worked in Bible school? By the time that week's over, you're dragging. You're barely limping home. And you say to yourself, I have no idea why I do this year after year. So why do you do it year after year? Because you're in the position of educating young. And that's an assignment from God. You know, we have an example of this in the Bible. It's a wonderful example. If you look in the last two verses I've written on the green sheet, you'll remember the story when Solomon became king and God gave him a dream. And he, he said, ask for me anything you want. And Solomon now has a blank check from God. A blank check from God. I, I want a military that will never lose. I want a million gazillion dollars in the bank. I want, I want 700 wives and 300 concubines. He has a blank check from God. 1 Kings 3, 5 says, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. You know what Solomon asked for? Look at verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. That's what he asked for on a blank check. That I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people. Isn't that shocking? That, that, that God goes to Solomon, ask me anything you want. And he goes, just give me an understanding heart. Give me the wisdom so that I can be the leader you want me to be and understand good and evil. That's exactly what we're seeing in the book of Proverbs. How did he know to ask for wisdom? How did, how did that young guy make that decision? What motivated it? Look over to Proverbs chapter 4 with me for a moment. And I want you to follow along beginning in verse 1. And you're going to understand why Solomon made his decision. Proverbs 4.1 says, Hear, O sons, the Father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. Who was Solomon's father? King David. But wait a minute. His mother was Bathsheba and he wasn't the only son. Oh, except that the first son they had died. And Solomon is saying, when I was the only living child of my mother, my father David, 
did something. Look what it says. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. How did, how did Solomon know that when God gives him a blank check, you ask for wisdom? Because David sat him on his lap and said, Son, let me tell you about some of my bad decisions and some of my good. Let me tell you about what God taught me about living. And Solomon, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, took to heart what they learned. And I want to tell you that the prologue in Proverbs says it's to re receive instruction when you're young, but when you're old, it's to give it to the young. It was David's job. It was Solomon's job. And it's come to us. It's God's assignment. It's always been God's assignment. That's why there's parenting roles. <clears throat> All right, go back to chapter 1, verse 5. Once you've received this instruction, if you're wise, you want more. That's the emphasis of this verse. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand the proverb and a saying the words of the wise and their rhythm in other words once you get a taste of it the wise person says oh even though I'm a teacher I'm still a student as well we never stop being students That's another assignment from God, by the way. We're always students. We've never arrived. We've never reached the fullness. So this month, when you read a chapter a day in the book of Proverbs, next month you need to reread it. Just because Greg is teaching through Mark when he's done, it doesn't know, mean we have to never read Mark again. learn and increase. The righteous hunger after the word of God. Now there's a gate that opens to these two paths. There's a gate that opens to the path of the wise and there's a gate that opens to the path of a fool. 
Look in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is recognizing that God is God. If you recognize God is God, if you have him in his rightful place, you know what happens? We have us in our rightful place. He's God and we're not. He knows and we know. He's right and we're wrong. It's the place you start. It's the place that opens the door to being a student. It's the place that says, I need God's wisdom and insight. And the gate that gets down that path is the one that says, He's God. And I'm just me. And that's how you get from the gate to the path. I need to hear. I need to learn. I need to be a student. You know what the fool does? He despises that. He despises wisdom and instruction. He shows up in life and says, Oh, I see clearly. There's a way that seems right to me, and I know this is the one. That's the fool. And the gate that leads to the wisdom of God is the one that says, I'm coming before God to learn. So for all of you who are older, can I encourage you to show up in life with a student's heart? Can I, can I encourage you to look at tomorrow and say, tomorrow I'm going to learn a little bit more, so I'm going to read my Bible. Can I encourage you to show up and listen to Greg Sunday after Sunday and pay attention because you want to hear what God has to say? That's the application of the book. For those of you who are younger, and I recognize most of them are downstairs, but there's a couple left in here. God wants you to know that there's two voices calling out for you. One of them is wisdom. And that voice is saying, come my way. Come my way. Come as a student of God's. The other voice is folly. And folly is calling out saying, hey, hey, come my way. It'll be fun. Come my way. Just, just, all you have to do is look inside. Look at your passions. Look at your appetites. Whatever makes you happy. Just do what you want to do. And, and, and that's the way to live life. And that voice has called out to every last one of us. I should say those voices have called out to us. And they're still calling out. But God wants you young people to know that the decisions you make today lead to certain destinations tomorrow. So listen to the right voice, would you? Father, we bow before you today and we're grateful for your word. We're thankful 
for your children. We know the changes it's made in us. And since you've made us righteous, we hunger after your word. So teach us more and more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.